Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become more real to us because we believe that helps us draw more power out of them, and we need that in our lives today. I'm your host, Kerry Mulestein, and this is a short cast, or basically it's a short overview of the uh, first epistle to the Corinthians. Uh, the second epistle to the Corinthians, the overview will be encased in, in, in its, we'll go over the overview and the the podcast discussion that's actually long enough that there'll be two parts of that, but I'm trying for each of the epistles to have some kind of an overview for you, uh, and sometimes that will just be part of the, the podcast, and sometimes I'll do a separate one. So let's uh, let's talk about the letter to the Corinthians and just make sure we understand it. I think it's helpful to understand these things historically. So let's first of all talk about when Paul first came to uh, Corinth and a little bit about Corinth. So maybe we should first of all talk a little bit about Corinth. Corinth is located uh, on, uh, uh, well, it's part of Greece, but it's on an isthmus, a narrow part. It's the narrowest part in between two uh, parts of the ocean or the sea. Uh, it's only about four miles wide at that point. And so what that means is that eventually a road is built through there because it's easier, safer in terms of the voyage, faster in terms of the voyage for ships to come to, it's a, well, Corinth has two bays because it's uh, on this isthmus with seas on either side. So uh, they can come to the bay on one side uh, coming from Greece, uh, you know, in the way they could go to Italy. So they could say come from Italy to Corinth and then offload their goods, take them four miles across on wagons or something on this road and then load onto a different ship that would head out towards Asia and so on, or Asia Minor. So uh, it became a, a very, very wealthy and very, very prosperous city as a result of this and um, was uh, inhabited by all sorts of sailors. Uh, now you know how that goes. Um, and uh, all sorts of trade was happening there. Um, it also was well known for its temple to Aphrodite, and it had a lot of uh, prostitutes uh, at one point. Uh, it was reported by Strabo that there was a thousand prostitutes there. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know, but that there are plenty of prostitutes there and uh, sexual promiscuity became a real part of Corinthian culture, uh, even beyond what was kind of acceptable and uh, a largely promiscuous culture anyway. So uh, that's that's a little bit about Corinth. So now let's talk about Paul as he's on his his um, second missionary journey. So. This is the journey where he uh, first ends up uh, heading off into Greece and so on in Macedonia. Um, he spends uh, over 18 months, almost two years in Corinth. He comes to that city, uh, meets some fellow tent makers, Aquila and Priscilla, and uh, he spends a lot of time there. So he knows the people in Corinth very, very well. You could think about uh, if you were in a mission and you were in the same area for almost two years for over 18 months, um, you would get to really know and love those people. And, and Paul did. He loved them. He converted many people. He brought them into the gospel. He loved them dearly. Uh, but then he continued on his journey. In his uh, third missionary journey, uh, he ends up living in Ephesus for about three years. And it's while he's in Ephesus that he hears that the saints in Corinth are having problems. So let's talk in general about what Paul is doing. We've talked about this a little bit before, so I won't elaborate on this, but I want to remind you, Paul is kingdom building. He has uh, he goes on these missions and he, he 
converts people and everyone in the town is a new convert. Uh, and he's trying to get as far and wide as he can to, to have the kingdom spread everywhere. But he always leaves these cities. Well, I mean, by the time he leaves Corinth, he's got some people there who've been members for a year and a half. But still, they don't have a lot of contact with, say, Peter. Uh, and although Peter does come to Corinth, uh, they don't. They just don't have a lot of contact with anyone that's uh, a leader of the church. Uh, so they, of course, have their own local leaders, but it's easy for things to kind of stray. So Paul spends many of his much time on his journeys, not only converting people, but then going back to these same areas and strengthening them and making sure they're doing OK and helping them to have things go right. And then he also does that with letters. He writes letters to these places when he hears about things going on to strengthen them and help correct things. And that's what this letter uh, to Corinth is. It seems that he wrote a letter before this. Um, we don't have that. So this is his second letter. He writes it while he is in Ephesus. He's, uh, I think I already said he, he's in Ephesus for about three years and he hears that there, there are some things going on in Corinth. He writes and then he writes again. So our first Corinthians is actually a second letter to the Corinthians. Um, and he is going to try and help these people whom he dearly loves to correct some things. And his letter is pretty clear and pretty harsh. Uh, well, harsh may not be the right word. It's just clear in saying this is what you're doing wrong and it's a real problem and you have to repent. Uh, he's very worried about it. And you get some of this in Second Corinthians. And when we have our discussion on Second Corinthians, we'll talk about it. But uh, he's, he's worried about how they take it. Think if you have someone you love and you have to correct them, you're worried about it, too. Right. Uh, this kind of tears him up uh, that he's ha he has to write this difficult letter. Um, he worries about it for a long time. He worries both about how it's received. It, well, he worries about how it's received in two ways. One, uh, he loves them and he wants them to uh, continue to know that he loves them and, and to love him. But two, he loves them, so he wants them to change. And he's hoping that this letter will be taken the way it is and that it will produce change. And we've learned that it does, at least for many, if not all. Um, we learned that mostly in Second Corinthians. Anyway. So uh, this is a difficult letter for him to write, but he does not shy away from being very, very clear. It's got some passages that are difficult for us in terms of marriage and women and so on. Uh, and we'll address those in each of the, the different episodes. Um, maybe I can just kind of give an overview of the topics. First of all, Paul uh, is, well, he's going to address a number of things, almost all of them we can see our, 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 he answers the questions through the lens of love. So his the first topic he addresses is one he addresses in almost all his letters everywhere, and that's the, the topic of unity. Uh, this is a big thing for a couple of reasons. One, we know that there's this divide between whether the people need to keep the law of Moses or not, and that causes a lot of disunity. Um, and there also turns out to be a divide between uh, the gospel, who taught it to you and the way you understand it from those people and who you really follow. So, for example, Peter has been to Corinth and Apollos has been to Corinth. And so there's some people who say, no, I'm Paul's disciple. Others, I'm Peter's disciple and so on. And Paul's going to say, that's nuts. Knock it off. You're Christ's disciple. Uh, we're not uh, fan clubs of, say, Elder Bednar as opposed to um, Elder Uchtdorf or something like that. Um, so. Uh, that's something that he will address. And the answer to this question really is love. Love each other. Forget about and love God. Love God and each other. Forget about um, yourself. Forget about who taught you. Just focus on loving God and loving each other and come together and be united. So doesn't uh, it's a little bit similar to President Nelson continually telling us we need to have, quit having contention and, and come out and love with each other. 
He's also going to address the issue of uh, food and eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. Um, and his approach to this will be when this can harm someone else spiritually, don't do it. Uh, and uh, so, again, it's really viewed through this lens of love. Don't uh, do anything. You should love each other so much that you're willing to change your behavior and do things that may even be a little bit more difficult because you don't want to harm others because you love them so much. A uh, big part of his letter will be on sexual promiscuity and the sexual problems they're having there. They've been, uh, as we all are, too affected by their culture. And uh, there's lots of uh, immorality issues. He's very clear about it. Um, and part of his answer is, look, this your body uh, was purchased by Christ and out of love for Christ and out of love for others, because what you're doing with your body when you're immoral is actually harmful to others. Out of this love, you should uh you should be morally clean and then we also have him teaching about what to do when they gather each other uh, let me say that again we also have him uh teaching about what to do when they gather with each other that there are some gifts that uh, really edify others and some that, that that don't as much to focus on those that will edify each other and most of all on the gift of love which will make all the other gifts work and happen for the right reason so he focuses on love there as well and lastly, he will address the issue of the resurrection. Uh, remember that they live in a Neoplatonic world, and we'll address this more when we get to this portion of the episode, but they live in a world that uh, thinks that, that physical things are bad and everyone's hoping to escape anything physical. So their culture kind of convinces them that they shouldn't want to have a body in the hereafter. And Paul is telling them, no, the resurrection is real. If there's no resurrection, then uh, this whole story about Christ doesn't really work. So take the resurrection seriously. Uh, so that's a, an overview of where we're going in this uh, this episode and what's going on uh, and why it's written and so on. And I hope that that is helpful for you.